It's Thursday. You know what time it is. Time for the hottest wrestling podcast on the planet. Beyond the Barricade with your hosts, Dollar Bill, the cleaner, and the brain. Let's get started. Good. All right. So discussing this earlier in the week, um, we were in the last couple of podcasts, we were discussing about different ways about running a promotion, all the good things that come with it, all the bad and, you know, all the things it takes. So we actually forgot to, we actually should also touch upon the most important part of the promotion, the promoter. Exactly. So with that in mind, let's go, let's dive into today's topic, which is how exactly should a promoter run and not run an orga- a wrestling you know, organization, federation, however you want to call it. Well, first off, like I s- said in the past, you want a promoter to be personable. You want people to be able to enjoy dealing with him. You don't want a guy to be a complete a-hole and screw everybody over just for his own profit. There have been plenty of guys over the years who have done that, and they've all gotten their asses handed to them. There have been promoters who people have been clamoring to work with over the years. We've all been involved with... uh, some promotions where the guys are clamoring to work at these promotions. Jersey All Pro, GCW, ICW, Ace. You know, all of these promotions have great guys in charge or have had great guys in charge. And those are the guys that people want to work. They want to work for them, they want to be in front of those people's fans. So first and foremost, the person has to be likable, has to be personable, and has to be able to draw in the talent. Yes. Uh, one thing I would say is, uh, you know, make it sure the talent like wants to be there, you know, make it a good environment. You know, you don't want a backstage full of problems. Um, you And you want to, like, one thing is definitely paying your talent on time. We've heard so many stories about the reason why promotions, nobody wants to work for certain promotions is because they never want to pay their talents in due time. So, um, yeah, just making sure you're, I think the best thing to keep in a promotion a very good place to be is to keep your roster happy. Considering also that most wrestlers in the indie, in the indie scene aren't exactly making a lot of money. Yes. So... They do need the money right up front, um, or at least right at the sh- um, at the time of the show, not days later afterwards where a check may bounce or yeah. deposit doesn't go through. Yeah, because some that the ones that are not making that money, they're looking forward to that check. They don't want to see it bounce. Sometimes it's a gas money to get home. Yeah. Sometimes they yeah they just end up working for free. The, the money they're getting paid is going straight back into travel. Yeah. Just for the exposure. So a, yeah. a good promoter has to do, you know, has to be able to work with them on that, especially the fees and whatnot. A good portion of the guys that I've worked with over the years, mm-hmm. and you guys know the promotions I've worked for as yeah. their medic, they pay you right there on the spot. I've seen the guys walking around the back after each guy's match, handing them their money right off the mat. So these guys are literally stumbling to the back 
and the promoter is standing there waiting with their envelope, which is the way to do business. You take care of your guys right up front. They're going to come back to you because otherwise you're going to be selling tickets and all of a sudden, oh, I didn't get paid last time. I'm not coming. I didn't get paid last time. Go screw yourself. And they're left with a full arena and no talent. Yeah, and that that's going to make talent want to come back. Exactly. You know, and maybe next time they come back, they cut you a little break mm-hmm. because of how you treated them. So, yes, keeping your talent happy is the one of the biggest things you can do as a promoter. One thing else I want to add in there is the good promoter. <clears throat> if the good promoter takes care of the talent, the the other thing also that the promoter also do it also would have to do is promote the talent as well to actually get the people in the seats. Definitely. So taking care of the talent will give the promoter more ammunition to it, you know, to promote them coming to their shows, and people want to buy a ticket to see someone's butt get kicked. Exactly. Or, or to case, see somebody kick somebody's butt. Or in some cases, being thrown through uh, thrown through some glass, you know, chairs, uh, barbed wire, you know, that old good thing. Good old fashioned doors, tables, oh. ladders, flash lines. Oh my! Oh my. <laughs> Absolutely, wine yeah. cabinets. Oh God! Now <sighs> I have a question for the two of you. Ask away. If you were to ever run a promotion, what is one thing that you would absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, not allow any wrestler to do? Ooh. Okay. And you know exactly why I'm going there. Ooh. Allow. Okay. I would be. I know one thing I would not allow wrestler to do. Is to get too physical with the crowd. Like, don't start fights. You know, don't get stupid with the crowd with the people who actually pay to see you, and start you know getting to brawls with them. It's like your your actions with the your opponent in the ring, not with the crowd. You know, don't start going too crazy with them. You know, um, I mean, if they start first, you know, you gotta have you have to do something to defend yourself. But don't don't be the one to start the fight. You, you know, mm-hmm. if it happens. Because we've seen it happen where if some overzealous fan gets stupid, yeah, you know they end it, but don't start it. Right, and that was one thing. I, that was one, yeah, that's one thing I said. It's a big no-no. You know. Oh, and also, um, stupid, uh, inappropriate relations with female talent at the show, or even or even backstage groupies, as they said, or ring rats. I was once known Wayne the Bass. Yeah, I'm. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I, I don't care I, after the show, but not during the show. I would probably have to say, like, more aligned with you is just keep professional. You know. Yeah. You know, when we show up to the venue, we show up to do a job. You know. Yeah. We're not like like you've seen. You could probably see plenty of times on the independents where promoters have to. They get fined by the venue because they made too much damage. Oh, you yeah, you don't want that because that's going to hurt your company, especially if you're a smaller company in the uh, the long run. So mm-hmm. I would say just keep everything professional. Don't do too. If you're going to have a hardcore match, try to keep it all in the ring. Don't try to go to the outside. Yeah, 
or at least clear it beforehand and have money, have repair money handy. Yes. So, so where where were you going to go with this, John? Now, brain, your turn. Um, yeah. first and foremost, I'm all about the safety of everybody involved with the show, from the talent to the ring crew to the fans. Yes, ring crew. And as as a as a medic, I'm all about safety. And the yep. one thing that I will never, ever allow, if I ever was able to run a promotion, is anything that has to do with fire inside a building. Ooh, now, yeah, if you're doing an outside show, I might consider it. But when you're inside an enclosed area, there is no way in hell I'm letting open flame and be involved in any match. Yes. Yeah, no fireballs. We, Exactly, because we just saw a video today. Yeah, I... of a wrestler who used a fire spot and is now in the burn unit because of it. Okay, let's let's back up a bit because we don't have a video to show. So let's bring more into detail into this. So this is a video that was taken where XPW. I'm not surprised. Me neither. Neither am I. I'm not surprised at all either. The wrestler was Masada, M-A-S-A-D-A. He had a bottle of rubbing alcohol. And we all know he had a beard. Keyword there, had. He Mm -hmm. spit the alcohol through a lighter. And some of the alcohol had dripped into his beard. And it set his face and body on fire. And while he was trying to pat the flames out with his hands, he still had the alcohol bottle in his hands, and he burned himself. He is now in the burn unit with second and possibly third-degree burns on half of his face and body. It took a fan jumping the barricade and grabbing a fire extinguisher to put him out because the ring crew and everybody else froze. Because a lot of people probably thought, probably thought it was part of the show, too. Yeah. Or they got, either they, part, they thought it was part of the show... Or they were just that much in shock they had no idea what to do. I think it was more the shock of the situation. And I want to ask, was this, you said alcohol and not lighter fluid? No, it was alcohol. Yeah. This is why a lot of the wrestlers, when you see fire spots, they're using lighter fluid because Mm -hmm. it goes out just like that. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. I just pray that he's going to be okay. Yeah. See what happens. And I what's mean. crazy enough is, according to what I read and saw, this was in the middle of the match, and he finished the match before they convinced him to go to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that As, happen before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. As a promoter, my I'm having my referees throw up the X, ringing the bell. This match is over. He's going to the hospital right now. Yeah. And I, I'm not taking any answers. Because when you were talking about fire, the first thing I thought of was the um, Cactus Jack Mick Foley situation from ECW, I think in 96. No, uh, no, this was just the other day. Yeah, no, that's. Fire is not something you should be playing with. No, not literally. at all. Literally. Not, like only, not only would I uh, not allow it, but if. For some reason, I happen to be occupied with something else, and it happens. Not only is that match going to be instantly over, 
I'm gonna make sure that the ref the uh wrestler is ejected from the building and taken into custody because now I qualify that as attempted arson mm. and endangering so, the public and creating a uh endangerment to, right to the fans. creating an endangered environment for the fans and the and the talent in there right so yeah, you heard pretty much out every legal like legal case there too, yeah. and not to mention the the venue can also sue because now the town has breached contract in addition yep. to the venue, so the content the town has to deal with you and the venue and yep. also yeah. the local authorities, you know, for doing a stupid display of reckless behavior. We'll put it that way. His, his pyromaniac routine. Yep. Yeah. That's why I want to do a pure promotion so we don't have to do any of that hardcore stuff. That's also what makes it from a promoter tricky because the promoter, a good promoter, would have to know how to run their what run it to where you said you want to make it a pure. You're going to put you put the point. Whereas the brain, I know, is more used to the deathmatch hardcore style. So the thing is, what I'm used to it all. Well, yeah, but it's like you're more, it's like, it's still giving an example of the different styles out there. So the point is, for a good promoter would have to be somebody who has to keep the theme steady, not just go crazy with the trends, because the problem also with trends is they fade. Yes, yes indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One day it will be hardcore glass. Next day it will be fire. Like somebody's going to be stupid enough to try another fire trick like that. Or somebody's going to do electricity. Like it's always going to be like one up versus put on a good show where you have, you know, good wrestlers wrestling. But on the other hand, if you make it pure, you also got to make something that people want to reach out to as well. I mean, that's what the promoter would need to do. Some Sometimes you'll have to go that route for the shock value. Like, especially if you have a really heated rivalry going on, sometimes the only way to do the payoff for the rivalry is to go with the hardcore style. Right. Like a and steel cage match. Or TLC match. Or a Falscon Anywhere match like that. Yeah. Yeah. But also notice you said sometimes it has to go that far. So it's not something you're just going to randomly throw out there because, yeah, you feel like it. The, it yeah, exactly. has to build to it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a good promoter would know how to do that. And also, let's jump into that second because there's one thing you like uh, we were talking about as well. A good promoter would know how to get good bookers. Exactly. Yes. Like the promoter cannot just be the booker as well. No, definitely not. No. Now, we know a couple of guys who are absolutely phenomenal at booking matches. Yes. Yes. So I would definitely want to consult them on getting the matches booked in the best possible way and matching up the talent the best way I can. Now. Let's let's further dive into that. So, why, in your opinions, and both the, both your opinions, why sh why should the booker not and you know, should the promoter not be the booker? Personally, I think having a separate booker allows the promoter to concentrate more on what he's supposed to do, which is promote the event, promote the federation. Let the booker handle the talent. I mean, the booker, the promoter can be involved in getting the talent 
But once you get a hold of the talent, you transfer any uh, contact info over to the booker, and they work out the uh, logistics with the with the wrestler. Yeah, it's kind of like running a bar. You, you want the promoter to get the butts into the seats, and then you want the booker to keep those fans entertained and engaged when they're there. Mm. So that's definitely one thing a promoter, a good promoter should do is have somebody <laughs> who handles the bookings of the matches and the storylines as well. But then sometimes you have uh, promotions like, let's say, the NWA back in the 80s, mm-hmm. where the promoter and the booker was Dusty Rhodes. You know, sometimes you have a situation where the guy who's promoting the show is also one of the better minds in professional wrestling who could also book the show. Hmm. So, it, to me, it really depends on the situation, and the and the promoter involved. If it's especially if the promoter was a, was or still is part of wrestling, or so in wrestling in the ring, you would think they would use their experience to they would use their experience to tell a good story in the ring to to get the people involved in the yes. matches, emotionally involved, not physically involved, emotionally involved. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to hear somebody you, saying that. You need to, right. you need both a promoter and a booker to see how the crowd reacts to certain talent, so that you know the promoter would help put that person to help you know sell more merchandise, sell more tickets, and then the booker would you know use them more in important stories. Hmm. Indeed. I mean, accordingly, I mean, the the booker will also have to think like a while ahead for some stories too, whether it's like say external talent that does a tour for a couple of shows, yes, or say they have their local and also the local talent that they have to home grow and make you know make better that the ones that they promote that they promote the most that they're they're part of their show, right? Kind of like how AEW has. Some guys coming in for sometimes bookings, but they have their own talent that they stay on, or even Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And you want you want the best talent that you can get for each show, because that's what's going to bring the crowd back. And as you, uh, shall we say, cultivate your uh, promotion, your talent's going to grow. Your prestige is going to grow, and you're going to have better quality matches, better quality shows, which is going to increase the amount of people who want to come to the shows. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, someone who was absolutely phenomenal at that, God rest his soul, Fat Frank with Jersey All Pro. Yeah. I'm, I'm that man that. could pack a building like there was nothing going on. Could he could did? Be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that Rawway Center could hold hold how many? What a uh, oh, thousand, fifteen hundred? Easily, easily fifteen hundred. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't. There was. They were going SRO. They were going standing room only. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we all took over an entire front row most times. There was like nine or ten of us, and we took over an entire front row. Yeah, and some of those shows, some of those matches, were some of the best wrestling I've ever seen. From being a fan to working with the promotion itself, 
I have can honestly say I have never worked with a better promotion than Jersey All Pro. And I've worked with a few. And all of them are very good. But Jersey All Pro is without a doubt the best I ever worked with. Right. That's your favorite. Well, yeah. that's all your best experiences. I have a question mm-hmm. for you guys. Ask away. If I I'm I said the my answer to this earlier. So if we had our own promotions, what style of wrestling would you guys want to promote? I, I we know I said you know the technical slash pure style. What would you guys do? I think I would have a good mix of mostly technical, pure, straight out wrestling. But like I said, when you have a rivalry that's been building over a couple of months and you're only having one or two shows a month and you're building a promotion and you're building a rivalry between two wrestlers and it's getting to a it's getting to a boiling point where it's going to explode. And sometimes there's no other way to end it other than a hardcore style match. Steel Cage, TLC. Fans yeah. bring the weapons. Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. Well, Suicide rules. Yeah. Now I mean, yes, that's common. Like the end of feud, the payoff yeah. is gonna be a little more of a you know, a gimmick match. But what I was asking was like are you, would you consider doing like hardcore like a um like a ECW where it's hardcore is the dominant style? Because they were always a balanced promotion, but more so in those hot years of ninety six and ninety seven, they were leaning a lot into that hardcore style. I'm not I wouldn't for me the hardcore <laughs> style I can get I like it, but at the same time I can get sick of it real fast. I think for me it would be it could be a nice combination, but I'd I'd be the one emphasizing more on trying to create storylines yeah. and characters and characters like larger life characters. So kind of like how some some of the WWE does it, but a little yeah. bit a lot more lenient in some things. And the sports entertainment bit. style, or I, you know, the best uh, maybe uh, comparison I could say is Impact. Kind of like they, that. They yeah. are very into the stories and to the character driven, and you know they lean into that heavy, but they still allow for entertaining wrestling. Right, like you want to make it where sometimes the lines get a little blurred. You know, between reality and what's what's in the ring. That kayfabe is sort of. You know, sort of like, sort of like balancing. So, can you tell what's real, not real? Like, you know, which way to go with that? I mean, I like to, I love the technical style, I love the craziest, and also the hard style of like New Japan, like even the strong style, mm-hmm. like a lot. That's probably one of my favorites. Require. Oh, I, I definitely love the strong style. Strong yeah. style, yeah. Strong, strong style is absolutely phenomenal. Strong style, yeah. technical. Uh, Lucha is kind of on third, but what about Kings Road? Yeah. Absolutely. So King's Road, for those that might not know, is um so New Japan is more the strong style where it's more of um you know strikes and kick heavy, very MMA catch style. But yeah. all Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah do a what's called King's Road, which is more like more akin to American style wrestling, but still <laughs> oh, excuse me but still 
very Japanese. It's it would I would say it's a mix between strong style and American style. You know what would be a good idea? It's, can we think of a match that would that that one can look up to really show a good example, showcase a good example? So I can't say anything. Um, you could probably say any one of their uh historic matches, but I would say probably Kenta Kabashi versus Mitsuhara Mizawa. Anytime they stood in the ring with each other, it was it, it, it was an instant classic. Whether it's from their All Japan days or their pro wrestling nowadays. I those two that. they were they are true two of the four pillars of All Japan. So if there's any two men that I would recommend to see the King's Road style, it's those two. I okay. remember them from All Japan. I mean that's where that's where I got my start with them from uh when the virtually a Sega Saturn game that came out with them in it, and that's where I was just like enthralled by them. Kobayashi, especially, yeah, like Misawa, I loved his tenacity, but Kobayashi, like, well, like the first time I saw him hit that that clothesline he does, mm-hmm. that you know, from the from, pick it up from the ring and just slam it, I was just like, mm-hmm. I felt my neck snap. You want to hear a fun fact? Go for it. Was either ECW Heat Wave ninety seven or ninety nine? Mm-hmm. There was supposed to be a match that Heyman booked. That was, oh, I forget who was in the revised match, but he tried to get Mizawa and Kabashi to wrestle in the United States against each other to have a one on one in ECW in the late nineties. We almost had it. Whoa. Now, yes, they both eventually came to the United States with the Ring of Honor promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had separate matches and it was separate years. But we almost had them compete against each other one-on-one in the United States. Most likely, I think, at the ECW arena. I, uh, I'm looking I, it up uh, right now. I'm just trying to see. So uh, look, he, I got Heat Wave '96 looked up. So uh, I had '97, '99. Here's the thing, right? Heyman actually said this on a. It was the ECW Uncensored in 2014 when the WWE Network first launched. He was saying because the somebody had asked him, "What match do you wish you could have booked in ECW?" And he, I forgot what match was originally. Or was revised. I found it he, by the way. Shoot, nine heat wave ninety eight. Eight. I was close. Yeah, just wanted to clarify. Yes, um, I forgot what match he booked instead, but he tried to get Kabashi and Mazawa on that show, and I could just only imagine how good that match would have been, because they 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 brought all Japan to prominence, both together and separately. Mm. So to have that mat, oh, imagine if ECW, instead of working with promotions like uh, uh, Big Japan, imagine if they would have worked with All Japan, who was the top promotion in Japan at the time. Yeah. Um, maybe I ECW could... would still be around. Maybe. maybe. That means Ring of Honor would have never started. Just a heads up also, the, <laughs> uh, the replacement match was, uh, looking it up real quick, it was uh, RVD and Sabu versus Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinsaki. Yes. 
Yes, that's what it was. And nothing wrong with uh, nothing wrong with that either, because Hayabusa no. was was a, da- a damn legend. Was he legend. was, he was, and it's a yeah. shame he never got a true run in all Japan or New Japan. No, it's a shame. I saw some of his stuff. It's it was great work for his time. Yeah, great. Work. Oh my god, he was a, he. It's in like the fly the high flyer style that he had. Mm-hmm. He he was a revolution. Indeed. He was a revolutionary. Yeah. So then, as a promoter, then we'll go, that's actually we'll go to that part. How 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 hard would it be to try and get some of those matches? Like, it just seems like also that we just said we Heyman tried to get those two. Mm-hmm. I always feel like the promoter also should be the one listening to the crowd. Uh well yeah oh they need to yeah absolutely that's that's how you know who should come in who you should push who you should change whether it's a heel or baby face you know the crowd yeah. is your audience and that's who you should be listening to and that's also been a counterpoint sometimes with the with WWE at times is people wonder if WWE WWE listens to their audience we've heard stories about that. Yes. Well, we all know that uh, Vince didn't really listen to what the audience wanted. Hunter, on the other hand, having been more in the ring than Vince ever was, definitely knows what the crowd is looking for. And he's he's reacting to it. He's being proactive and giving the fans what they want. Except which is why... <laughs> well, well, yeah, but we all know what? that was a Vince... We all know that was a Vince thing. Yeah. Because R- Roman is Vince's bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Damn. My whole, brain, my whole brain mouth filter thing just hasn't come back from the repair shop yet. Then oh. again, I don't think I ever had one to begin with. But that's another story. <laughs> Remember, it's it's the it's the face, the twe- uh, the heel, and the tweener. So we, we yes. have that going. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, the the crowd is definitely the barometer that you have to pay attention to. As the the crowd gets more into it, the barometer is going to go up. You get a cooler match somewhere in the middle of the card, the crowd's going to die, just like like the winds on a tornado in the middle of the pla- in the middle of the prairie. Yep. It's going to disappear in a heartbeat. That's why booking something like WrestleMania is always difficult. Yeah. When you're booking something big, like one of the big four for the WWE, final battle for Ring of Honor, Wrestle Double Kingdom. or Nothing, Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom, exactly, from New Japan, Double or Nothing, All In or All Out, whatever they want to call it at the time, you know, you have to pay attention to the crowd. The crowd yeah. is going to tell you which way to go with the booking, who they sh- think should win, who you think they should who you think should be pushed more, yeah. who should be pulled back. Because right now, the crowd the crowd was in a frenzy at the beginning of Raw tonight with that announcement. And Tr- Triple H has listened to the crowd over the last few months, and they've he's heard the displeasure of the crowd because of... Uh, Roman Reigns still holding on to the titles. 
And he's the crowd is tired of it. They're tired of a champion who's not defending the championship. And Triple H said it today. He Roman Reigns negotiated a position for himself where he doesn't have to defend the championship as often as he should. When we all started watching wrestling in the 80s and 90s, what was the, the big line? A champion has to defend the title how often? 30 Every days. 30 days. Yep. How often has Roman Reigns defended those titles? Not as often. Eight, nine times total in the almost 1,000 days he's been t- champion? But then, like, you could use what the Vince McMahon argument was for Brock Lesnar. Yes, he only defends it a select number of times, but when he defends it, that's when you know it's like the the lights get brighter. You know, it's a bigger match because oh my god, he's defending the title. I mean, you know, this is not. I mean, I can understand saying, hey, this is not New Japan, where the title, the there's, you could defend the title maybe once every two months. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only at the big shows the title gets defended. But, you know, this is, you could say, oh, yeah, well, this is WWE. It should be defended at least once a month. But, I mean, that's what made Brock Lesnar so big in his second run with WWE is because he defended the title when he was champion only a select few t- number of times. And each time it felt bigger. But a lot of the times during his second run, who was he defending against? Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. And after the third time, it got stale. Yeah, because it's the same match every time. Yeah. Brock takes Roman to Suplex City. Reigns hits him with a couple of spears and a Superman punch. And then all of a sudden, Brock Roman goes for another spear. Brock picks him up into the F5. One, two, three. And everybody's out the door. Yep. Everybody's booing got, out the door. Yep. And it got so stale. You could get penicillin off of how stale those matches were. Yeah. Looking, I'm looking here at the uh, matches that he's had, that Marines has had title defenses for since 2020. And oddly enough, we thought of like eight, but there's actually 28 if you count those years. So does that include house shows or no? No, but here's the interesting thing. He's he the uh, wait no not how sh- no not how shows, but the interesting I- here just to go go further with brain is that they've all been pay per views. That's the only time he's actually have him he defended on a non pay per view was on a, was a couple smackdowns, but that was I mean, to be fair. To be fair, the way how WWE is, when is the World title defended on a Raw or SmackDown nowadays. Almost never. Yeah. Almost never. Okay. And then just to close off the topic, or at least close off for now, one burning question. We have an example of bookers. So we've talked a little bit about Vince's booking style. Let's take a brief moment just to say yay and nay on Tony Khan's booking style. Um, to say yay or nay, I think is a little too um subjective or not subjective, but a little too vague. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go from a scale from one to ten. Yeah. I'm gonna say a seven. Okay. I enjoy it. Um, there are some decisions that I disagree with. Nothing's perfect, but overall, I'm still entertained to watch. I'm still excited to watch Dynamite every week. Okay, Brian, your turn. I'm gonna have to agree with uh, Cleaner that uh, his booking style is good. The storylines are very entertaining. I'm still on the fence. I still think he's a bit more of a fanboy than an actual booker, promoter, owner. And he needs to stop being like that. I would suggest But that... otherwise he's he's doing a very good job. And I'll get I'll give it a seven and a half. I would suggest being a fan helps his booking style because he knows if you think about it, everybody's looking at it in from the point of businessmen trying to get the fan. Right. But right. when you're a fan yourself, it's easier to put yourself in the mind of your audience. Yes, but I also think I still think I'll I still okay. kind of think he would need more business. This. He needs more business acumen to just get the fans going. Yeah. So I give him a six. We can talk more about it another time. Yeah, that's, that's another time. All right, gentlemen. As always, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. We are all there. Beyond the Barricade Wrestling Podcast. And next week, we'll go on a magical journey. Mm -hmm. Till then, too sweet. Too sweet, y'all.